Hello and welcome to the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Weight. My name is Mr. Armstrong. I'm here with Mr. <laughs> I'm here with Mr. Weight today, and and this week we heard about proposals from Labour on the 32-hour working week, which they think would be a good idea to propose in the UK. Um, this got us thinking about technology and the way that work could look in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to talk a little bit today um, with Mr. Waite about that. So, you okay, sir? <laughs> yes, thank you, Mr. Drew. Excellent. Yeah, so it's so interesting. Um, Labour have had their party conference, um, which would have happened anyway, despite all this rubbish that's going on about proroguing and uh, Supreme Court interfering, uh, which which I think will I predict will... Um, will bite uh, the people that organised it in the bottom, personally. So, uh, very strong evidence of a Boris Banks yesterday, but uh, today's not one for for politics. So, um, at the Labour conference, they proposed uh, an extreme number of um, an enlightened stroke Marxist uh, proposals, um, including, uh, I would say, openly declaring war on ambition and business, um, which obviously... Uh, and one of the things that I find staggering about the the Remain people is uh, I am genuinely worried that after 26 years of extreme effort in building up Aspen Weight, everything that I thought uh, my future would look like will be taken away from me by a group of um, Marxist people who totally don't get business and just want us all to be mediocre. But anyway, after I saw the 32-hour week... I thought it would be uh, a really good idea to put this in the podcast and and also to consider whether, in fact, it's feasible, leaving aside the politics of it and one's immediate reaction. Mm. So, you know, is, in fact, a 32-hour week feasible? What, you know, what are the factors, actually, that lie... Because one of the things that happens with... Let's, let's, let's just, for the minute, be charitable and say that Labour's view is well-intentioned, mm. OK? <laughs> let's just say that. Of course, there's well-intentioned, and then there's having to make it work, isn't there? Mm. So, for instance, if I, if I was to implement a 32-hour week in Aspen Weight now, uh, Aspen Weight would become something like uh, 14% less efficient mm. overnight. That mm. I would have no obvious means of doing anything about improving that, reducing that. Mm. Um, but, but, of course, you know, what we're going to talk about today is perhaps... Um, over time technology will come to the rescue so the the other thing today is um, the feeling of the future so um, thank you to those of you who given us really positive feedback feedback about the podcast particularly um, Ben Eltham from Back of the Net uh, uh, a business that we work very closely with and um, and people are very kind to say they like what we talk about and it's become a uh, a regular feature of of their week to listen to Drew and I talking, and people have also been very kind about the music we play. So uh, this week, I thought I'd actually play probably what people would want to listen to rather than what I wanted to hear. So we're going to play two tracks from the Beatles today, um, and I thought I'd pick two sort of tracks that I think sort of show them off uh, in a way that I, you know their their, their true ability. Um, I would urge listeners as well to, to listen to the sort of stuff they started to play sort of after 1968, which was much more rocky and very involved, you know. Things like uh, Across the Universe, Here Comes the Sun, those sort of type records. Uh, but today we're going to play two two tracks. One is Norwegian Wood and another is Paperback Writer. Uh, I particularly like Paperback Writer. I love all the energy about it. And I think when I think about the Beatles, I think about joy and happiness and beautiful melodies and lovely guitars so um that's what we're gonna do today so yeah mr armstrong over to you mate i think we should play one of those Beatles songs now at the start to get get people pumped up yeah yeah what um well i think we're gonna start people being pumped up we ought to to play paperback writer first paperback writer okay listeners so enjoy this one paperback writer
<laughs> so I did a little bit of research and um, yes, just just a little bit of browsing and um, and uh, so the BBC have said the 32-hour work week is an essentially political commitment to attempt um, to massage labour market institutions towards considerable reduction in the hours worked in the average working week over a decade. But in an average working week, um, total hours worked by the entire UK workforce is 1.5 billion. So if you assume the workforce remain the same, then this policy would see a total hours worked cut by around 100 million hours per week, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. So obviously that would have a big significant effect on the economy. Yeah, without without anything coming to 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 to, bolster, to contra that. That's yeah, the point. yeah. So it requires an epic increase in productivity. So how much? Or technology. That's the point. Technology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and business organisations fear that this is a cart for the horse, requiring huge capital investment. Yeah. So, yes. Um, so yeah, it's whether it can it can work or not really. I know I know you're saying about technology could um, could maybe come into play more to to um, counteract the change, um, but it's what, what whether you feel that that could work or not. Because I can see obviously technology increase uh, as technology gets better, um, it can automate things in the workplace and it can um, you know take the human element away somehow. Yeah. But you'll always need that human element to it mm. in a lot of ways I think no I mean I think I think um, you know I think one has to be very balanced about this I mean certainly although I am a political person I think it's um, one of the things that disappoints me particularly this week where uh, the people in the, 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 the in parliament probably reached an all time low and that's saying something of despicable behaviour and lack of manners and like it was like listening to 600 people in a pub who drunk too much mm. having a row you know so I think it should be possible for me, for instance, to talk to a Marxist who mm-hmm. genuinely believes in what he's saying, and we should be able to have a friendly uh, debate. And I, all I ever ask from anybody is that they can defend their point of view, mm. you know? So I think in itself, uh, so let's, let, how I wanted to approach today's episode wasn't uh, so much uh, that Labour, you know, it's driven by, it's a sort of a cynical political thing. I wanted to talk more about a serious debate about mm. is it a good idea yeah could it be achieved what are the factors that would go into considering whether it could be achieved so i think one of the things that's worth pointing out um is uh i can't remember the exact uh year this happened but certainly over the last hundred years the the working week has reduced from something like 65 hours to i think now in england Britain, I should say. Sorry, Scottish, Welsh, and Irish people. Mm-hmm. Um, to something, something around thirty-seven, I believe. Um, and of course, if you look at Germany, which has the lowest uh, a- average annual labour hours in the world, um, Germans on the whole work something like fifteen percent less hours than British people do. And then, of course, you've got Mexicans, for instance, who are working something like. 35% more than us, you know, or perhaps even 40%. So, uh, you know, I was saying to Drew before we start this podcast today, you know, there, there isn't a right or wrong a, a, about this. And to some extent, of course, uh, the hours will depend on uh, the type of industries a particular country yeah. does. So when I think about Germany, for instance, I think about car production. Mm-hmm. So if you stuck with that thought, car production, what does that suggest? Heavy automation? Yeah. Heavy automation. Mm. That's probably how they've managed to achieve Mm. 1,373 average labour hours Mm. per annum. Drew's now looking down thinking, how can he remember that, you see? (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's why I am Mr. Waite and you are Drew, you see? Um, So I think what's interesting about this is... so. So in itself, uh, the the average working week has sustainably reduced, and I, and I, I would say just over the life of Aspen Wait, so twenty six years, uh, and obviously I, you know I, I, I can remember my attitude to things like um, uh, people's uh, number of days holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, roughly speaking, over twenty six years, probably. The average person in Aspen Way probably gets either works. So, the, I, what I'm going to say now is either more holiday or less hours worked. And if you mm-hmm. worked out what that represented, I reckon it works out about five days. 
So over 26 years, uh, as you said, that people worked something like 225 to 235, 230 days a year, right? Which is about right, I reckon. So that means that means that people in Aspen Wake work over two percent less hours than they did mm. when I started, mm. right? So that's good, isn't it? That's got mm-hmm. to be a good thing, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and certainly, I find with myself, it depends. It depends how you want to work. I mean, you know, I'm planning to go home early today, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make any difference to my overall output in the week. Mm. You know, um, of course, self-employed people are rather are rather different. Mm. So I think, in itself, an aspiration to work 32 hours is is perfectly fine and dandy. Um, I think also one of the things I did this week in response to the Labour uh, proposal was I sent a, an email out to all staff and I asked for them to comment so that Drew and I could have a really good discussion today with lots and lots of different people's views represented. And I was very pleased to see that probably as many as 10 people took the trouble to reply. And not only did they reply, but they replied with in, in great depth, mm. you know, with a, a lot of uh, personal analysis um, in my son Callum's case, although it wasn't directly related to the subject matter, he related to me to, me to a, uh, a thing about Socrates, which I've, I watched with him the other day, mm. which is an incredibly interesting point about democracy. So mm. Socrates, for instance, didn't believe in democracy. And, uh, oh, okay. Uh, and, he, and he made a very good, very, very good, eloquent point. As to, uh, and, and in a future episode, we'll discuss that, because mm. it is so, so fascinating, I think. But... Um, no, like, so we have people like Rachel uh, Wood and and Rona, um, JP, um, you know, all all took the trouble to write some some really and Ben took some, some really fascinating uh, stuff back and uh, and one of the things I tend to do that so for instance Ben made a comment about Scandinavian countries you know it, it, he was sort of taking it as granted that uh, uh, the Scandinavian countries worked less hours and of course uh, Drew and I have bothered to to research this and in fact only two of them do mm. so we have Denmark and Norway, uh, Norway uh, are are uh, the second and third lowest hours worked in the world I think that's right mm-hmm. the same um, whereas Sweden is somewhere around us which surprised me yes and Finland I think it might be even worse I can't, I can't remember but um, we're 24th yeah what, what is Sweden um, Sweden are 27th yeah, so they said somewhere mm. around us, mm. and I think Finland are as well. Yeah, so, they're twenty yeah. sixth. Yeah, mm. so it's interesting. So actually, what Ben said wasn't entirely true. Mm. So you've got half of you know you've got Finland and Sweden more like us, and Denmark and um, and Norway. I mean, Norway is um, is renowned. You know, Norway I think uh, quite often comes up as the happiest country in the world or the best place to work. You know, mm. places like that. Mm. Uh, I think the Norwegians have really got it really got it sussed, but. Um, you know, uh, when I was a when I was a kid, well, you know, from from a very early age, I, I always loved, um, you know, what I would call fantasy fiction. So probably starting with stuff like Jules, Jules Verne um, and H.G. Wells, you know, the Time Machine and all that sort of thing. And show me uh, all the covers. I remember seeing. Yeah, well, that's it. That, those are my Edgar Rice Burroughs books mm-hmm. and my Robert Heinlein books, and. Um, and so I think you know I've, I've, I have from the age of probably ten, perhaps even younger, often thought about you know what what would life life be like. And I think if we look at uh, where we're heading, and of course we're very well placed to say this because you know we are right in the middle of you know of technology and, and innovation. You know we will. So what I would call Star Trek technology. So mm-hmm. if you look at Star Trek now. Uh, they have things like replicators. So, so if they want to drink, they don't boil the kettle, do they? They just basically go up and press this button, and they can have whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't know how it's made, but <laughs> because come, it doesn't matter whether it seems to be a Romulan beer or um, or mint tea, uh, a steak, whatever that that is all made for them uh, without having to uh, recourse to conventional kettles and kitchens. Um, we also uh, they also have things like holodecks where they can, you know, they can effectively do anything they want from being in a French bar to being mm. on a beach or mm. playing tennis with Bjorn Borg or something, whatever it is, you know. And by and large, uh, all pretty much, pretty much most of the things in Star Trek are already a reality or 
are about to become a reality. Mm, mm. Which I, 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 I don't know if I ever really thought that would happen, to be honest. Mm. But nonetheless... It's happening. It, it, it is happening. <laughs> so, you know, in the future, for instance, uh, if we think about what will happen, so in the future, I would suggest that Drew and I, if we were doing something like this, we would appear as holograms on your desk. Mm. That's what I would think. Mm. You know, people will actually will come into people's rooms and we'll go, hi. And you can interact. Interactive mm. holograms, yeah, mm. quite possibly. Mm. Um, so I think there's no doubt that uh, we will use... And of course, you know, if you look inside accountancy, for instance, um, we've moved over the years, we've moved from, uh, you know, the, the abacus, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the parchment and, 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 and the ink pen, uh, to the advent of the very first computers that took up a whole room, they were so big. Now to cloud-based accounting, mm. um, you know. Yeah, so, so I'm thinking the, the technological advances that have happened and that you say used in your company, um, uh, whether they have um, played a part in the fact that of working less hours. But what I actually think they've done, rather than that, is just taking the the scope and and the reach that you've been able to take things out further. That's a very good point. You know, so it's not necessarily changed how much you work because it's all it's you know you've it, you've kind of it's helped you grow almost. Well, yeah, no, I think I think that's an extremely good point actually. And I was going to give the example of I can remember in in, in a previous practice, um, you'll find it is only like thirty years ago. I proposed that we bought a fax machine, <laughs> and you can laugh. Nearly everyone in the room went, "You, got, you know, what, are you some crazy man?" Mm, that yeah, is, can't believe it. You know, it's not that long, really. You think know, of what we use. Uh, and and and, and if I, I can't even. I think we used to use things like telex machines, which I can't even really remember how they worked properly. You know, that's how much. You know, so just to have interest, listeners. Uh, mm-hmm. On Wednesday, I celebrated my thirty-eighth year of being an accountant. Oh, wow. 25th of September uh, and I've been qualified for 35 and a bit so um, that was a bit of a landmark um, so taking Drew's point so if we go back to um, so for when I started uh, we had no sat nav mm-hmm. so when I went to um, Pencoid British Legion for instance which is a real client in Wales uh, I remember stopping at our roundabout and I took great care before to try and uh, because uh, English people tend to say pen code and Welsh is pen coid and I remember stopping at a roundabout and asking this old chap where it was and, and I said pen coid and he went pen and he said oh you mean pen code that made me <laughs> oh. laugh wow yeah mm-hmm. no, 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 not that's really relevant to technology <laughs> but uh, but so the point is is you didn't you know you, you had to you had to get your map out and yeah. you know it, it was very different and the fact is that I don't remember getting lost much to be honest mm. you know it was just a skill that you developed Whereas, because you instance, needed to last week when I went to Celsa Steel I went because the sat nav took me down the docks which is mm-hmm. no longer allowed as a rat run uh, my sat nav wanted to keep taking that so I was completely stummied mm. I was so unused to, to driving without my sat nav mm. I, went, I went up the same street four times it's true yeah, yeah I rely totally on it 25 years ago I would have just yeah. driven there because someone would give me a map and they said you know go to that roundabout take the four fex mm. you know um, I think uh, yeah, so the point you made was really good so if you look at uh, if, 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 if Aspen Weight was an accountancy practice probably even 50 years ago mm-hmm. and certainly any time before that I would suggest it would be almost impossible to have a to become to be a national company mm-hmm. other than having lots of offices all over the country mm. whereas with the technology we have today I don't think it really makes much difference where you are mm. I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference to somebody in um, Carmarthen whether they're talking to me or an accountant from Carmarthen I don't mm, think mm. I think you know at the end of the day uh, so through the cloud we're able to access uh, the client's records online we go straight into their trial balances their age debtors whatever we want to look at <coughs> you know in real time and um, obviously you know you can send emails are an amazing way of mm-hmm. communication can be can be abused but nonetheless a very efficient way of avoiding unnecessary trips and things like that. Information sharing, yeah. Uh, 
obviously isn't there's it? no substitute for face-to-face uh, meetings with people as well that's still very important oh hugely but it's um yeah it certainly helps connect it makes me think as well shane as well with, with this new innovation website that we're uh we're producing and just the the interactions with that we've got some project management software that we're all completely collaborating in and the, you see the wireframes of all the website and um, you can you can um, share ideas on there. Mm-hmm. So it kind of takes you away from that email, just long list of, uh, mm-hmm. of things in the email and you've actually got this uh, collaborative working environment. So yeah, technology is helping and, and, and Shane's not in the office, he's in Taunton. And yeah, so those collaborative ways of working is um, with technology is definitely gonna help as well. So I think you know, in terms of the balance. So uh, let's look at let's look at the, the the negatives about the proposal. Okay. So um, while it's true to say that technology um, is being developed at a, an amazing rate, and I think one of the, one of the things I find quite amusing actually is, so if you take um, all the fuss there is at the moment about climate change, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, particularly a lot of young people basically turning around and saying you know we've only got five years ten years left and then we're all going to you know roast or something mm-hmm. um while well i think it, it would be true to say uh, on balance that um the level of carbon emissions has undoubtedly created uh, an effect that mankind is damaging the ecosystem i don't think personally i think it, it's wrong. Some people sort of turn around and say, oh, it's a load of rubbish. But it's not a load of rubbish. It is true. Effect. But at the same time, uh, there have been um, there have been periods in Earth's history where Earth has been warmer yeah. than it is now. Mm-hmm. We are technically still in an ice age. And Britain, for instance, if it wasn't for the Gulf Stream, mm-hmm. if the Gulf Stream was to move a, a, even a small amount, our, our, our climate would be more like Greenland than it would... France, mm. so people need to keep things in balance. And I think because of human nature as well, as technology develops, um, it will become more. Um, it's becoming more ecological. These things uh, are being thought about. So at the moment, there's a lot of production with plastic and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. there's a big drive to get it down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you know, that's yeah, what yeah. So I think you know what well, my point is is that I find it very interesting that young people are leading that, and perhaps it's right that they do. But the thing they're forgetting is. The world is going to look very different in five years' time, let alone 20. Mm. I believe, right, so for instance, I believe uh, one of the things I hate, and this is through personal experience of having to, you know, of working in places like this, I absolutely detest, so for instance, you know, the thought of um, a baby lamb having its throat cut Mm -hmm. as a halal butcher thing, you know? I mean, I just think, and I find things like um, suckling pig roasts totally disgusting you know the fact that we as human beings who should be custodians of the planet that's how i look at it could could take a, a effectively a baby that's days old away from its mother and then cut its throat and then delight in roasting it and saying yum yum that's lovely mm. that just strikes me as disgusting I actually would use the word disgusting mm. I, I find it disgusting we're taken away from the face of it we don't actually see that so you know. well that's why quite often people say about things about a face don't they yeah. it's like people will eat fish fingers mm. number of people I know I, I like I like fish a lot so you know I, I'm quite honest about it like you know Callum for instance is very into the respect the animal mm-hmm. very much like yeah. like a, a Zulu warrior would or a Maasai warrior, hunting, yeah. or a Cherokee. Yeah, a Cherokee Indian. If he killed a buffalo, he would use yeah. all of the buffalo. Yes. He would take the hide. He would use it to wear. He'd make shoes out of mm. out of it. Mm. Uh, they would probably they, they would use absolutely every and last be a part bit. of the process. So they see yeah. it from the moment it was killed to yeah. actually doing all that. And it's clearly and it's and it's and it's and it's, and it's organic. Mm. So I'd love to think, and I, I please, you know, I really hope this this is. But, you know, if we want to have a KFC in future, uh, the chicken will be grown. Not mm. as a live chicken. You know, they'll be able to grow chicken breast or yeah, chicken legs. Yeah, which is already happening with proteins. And, you and know, I'm like, sure, you know, that's what you I know, want to see happening. The, Greg, the Greg's Vegan Sausage Roll, I thought was going to be like... Uh, so, but it's like it's like a meat texture. They've actually grown a protein from plant material that that, that has the same consistency as meat. So it's actually happening. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, I think uh, 
technology is going to play 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 a huge part. And I, I would even say I, I would I would I would be of an opinion that man will be able to control the climate, so we could actually decide whether it's going to rain today or not. Mm. No, seriously, I, I really believe okay. that. So we're going to have we're going to have today. We're, so it'll be planned. Mm. So you know we're going to have a week of rain, and then on Sunday because everyone's off, it's going to be a lovely sunny day, and we would make that happen. Mm. I, I I I think that will happen. That scares me a little bit. Like I think mor- morally, like thinking about that, like um, the impact that you can have as a human, like on the planet, like how much you control it, like is that is that a good thing? Like we could use it in a way to help with production and have sunny days, but would that actually? <laughs> Disrupt the natural cycle of things. I, 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 I just thought of something which I never thought of before, which I, I want to discuss with David Cheers. But you know, one of the things that's just occurred to me when I'm talking about technology saving the day is if one could design a process which consumed carbon, mm-hmm. right? Chops it up. Well, trees do. Let's be realistic about this. I know. I know you thought you were being a bit clever when you said that, and it's true. And obviously, turning Amazon that around, trees. obviously cutting down the Amazon rainforest is um, deforestation. Is obviously um, yeah, it's even that mm-hmm. uh, deforestation is clearly compounding uh, a, a worsening um, global warming situation. So what I'm saying is, is if we could create a process um, that ate carbon, then that would help. Now it seems to me that one of the reasons why that may not have happened is because most inventions are originated through a commercial process. Yes. So people make... So why did they make that vegan sausage roll? Because mm. they wanted to make a profit out of it. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So Greg's were prepared to invest in in the origination developing of... Mm. De- uh, thank you. Developing mm. uh, a vegan sausage roll because they wanted to create a positive marketing impact by appearing to the world to be very green mm. and eco-friendly. But to your surprise you actually enjoy eating them yes so my point is is perhaps one of the problems is is that uh, there isn't enough money being thrown at some of these issues mm. because it would require and, and also it probably would require concerted effort across the world mm-hmm. so it would actually require you know something like so Boris Johnson would have to sit down with Angela Merkel and Trump and the Chinese president yeah. and say right guys we're going to create uh, uh, a world think tank and mm-hmm. a world uh R&D centre in effect and I'll tell you what we're all going to commit to put 1% of GDP into mm. the fund mm. right can you see that ever happening mm. no is the answer no. and you look at you look at the one of the things that makes me laugh actually and this is because the word naive resonates all the time through things like the Labour conference uh, you know the things that Greta thingy says you know um, about about the world coming to an end uh, the fact is that if if Britain was wiped off the planet, we all died, none of us used any energy at all, the effect on the world would be something like 1%, mm. right? So takes when, 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 when you get people turn up on television and they say things like, you know, we've got to ban... You know, people are seriously talking about banning air flights, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, if everyone in Britain no longer caught a plane to go on holiday, mm. the effect on the world situation would be, I'm guessing at most, one-tenth of one percent. Yeah. Something like that, right? So the real the real issue isn't in Britain, it's actually in China and India. So if you said China and India together probably are responsible for half mm-hmm. of all the world's um, emissions. emissions, right? So if you then look at the sociological factors that that go behind the world clearly uh, Britain and America for instance experienced the industrial revolution uh, starting in the 18th century we had the steam age with railways coming along uh, making uh, it possible for goods to be delivered mm-hmm. other than through canals and on ships or horseback you know and of course um, in the less developed world what you call third world countries um that process has happened much later. Yeah. So, if you and said, if you said, I don't know, I don't know the exact statistics, but let's just say that the average Chinese person earns a quarter of what a person in England would earn, right? Which is probably about right. Then, who were we to say to that Chinese person, oh, we 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 drove around in Alfa Romeos when mm. in the 1950s, but you can't. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and that's what it's one, a natural progression. And that's one of the problems. It's it's natural that. 
the Chinese should should aspire mm. to the lifestyle we mm. have. So what the problem is 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 there is uh, a lack of a central process uh, which is organising the world to behave in a responsible fashion. Mm. And of course, what doesn't happen, and this is this again becomes political. And then you have people like Trump, for instance, who, although on the whole I would be pro-Trump, um, his attitude towards the environment is mm. not one I could support. Mm. And you know, he pulled out of the. Um, you know, out of the whatever agreement it was, the, the global warming mm-hmm. agreement, whatever, the treaty or whatever it was, uh, which is extremely unhelpful for the number one economy in the world not to be behind that. Mm. So um, anyway, technology is going to play a huge part. Now, of course, you know, one thing we, we have to talk about in a balanced debate about the 32-hour week and technology is people today... So if we, you know, if we look at, um, uh, say, 1400s, 1500s, mm-hmm. the average person... In, in the UK would probably be lucky to live till they were 50 mm-hmm. right you get the odd person living much longer than that uh, and of course you know in a, in a warrior age uh, it would have been even younger than that I think it's right to say that a person born today should live to be 100 that's that's right okay so when I was born I think uh, the average man lived to be about 70 right Okay, so, that's 30 so years. over my lifetime mm-hmm. of fifty-nine years, mm-hmm. uh, life expectancy has gone for a man probably from seventy to ninety something, wow. and from women it'd be something like seventy-three, seventy-four to up to, up to hundred. Okay? Mm. So what, what does what does that extra twenty-five, thirty years mean? Well, it means a hell of a lot. Mm. Um, so it means we have uh, an aging, an aging population. So I don't know what the average age of people in the UK would be, but it would be older than it was when I was born, okay? Uh, and and what that means is that people are having to work uh, longer mm-hmm. before they're able to retire. And then people, even then, so if you said, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was taken for granted right up until very recently for me that women retired when they were 60. I never quite understood why when they live longer than men. That seems to me to be... You know, the opposite of sexism, actually. Um, but women retired when they were 60. Men retired when they were 65. And that's the way it was. Well, it's already, what is it, 67 and whatever it is now. Mm. Um, and I would think, uh, I would think personally, um, short of a Labour government, 67 will soon become 70. Mm-hmm. Now, what I find rather perverse is... And I, I asked I asked Callum this the other day when he picked me up from Western Train Station, actually. I said, it seems to me that I would, if it was me, I would rather retire when I was 67 and work 40 hours a week than I would work a 32-hour week and have to work till I was 70. Mm, mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. So you've got more more time. So... You know, one of the things again. This is this, this is where we come back to the naive word, the naive word again, because um, how how does Jeremy Corbyn reconcile uh, the desire to work thirty two hours against the economic statistics? And mm. the fact is, is they don't care. That's why, um, you know, that's why I think the borrowing per pound in the UK is eight times lower under this Tory government than, than they inherited from Labour. Right. Right. Okay. Because. Labour traditionally borrow lots of money. They don't care about that. Mm. Labour's general view, you hear it all the time. You know, they, they, and, they, and the thing is, they genuinely believe this because they're not clever enough not to believe it. So you'll hear people like Emily Thornberry all the time saying things like, um, well, the solution is to spend billions of pounds on infrastructure or the NHS, mm. right? Now, if you cynically think all this through, because uh, there's another, another important point you have to make about things like pensions. Now... All the people that work, so probably most of the people in unions, right, and certainly all, all civil servants, etc., uh, they all get a public pension. So unlike you and me, right, who have to look after ourselves, mm-hmm. these people get mollycoddled throughout their life, and then they retire, and they retire on things like two-thirds salary. Mm-hmm. Who pays their pension? You and I do through mm-hmm. our taxes. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's, that's the fact, right? So... Um, now, one of the things that scares the hell out of me, right, and and, and it's not being this subject is not being uh, given the 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 amount of time it needs. 
I was brought up by my mother in particular to, in, in what I would call a thrift culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, if you've got a pound, you can't spend more than a pound. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. To some extent, saving's a good idea. Yeah. Um, I, I got it. So I, I actually started my first savings plan when I was 16, I think. Oh, wow. And I put £8.30 into a plan every month. Mm. Okay? And 10 years later, I got £2,000 or so. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. You know? Um, so when I formed Aspen Weight 26 years ago, although... You know, I didn't have lots of money. What I did do is I set up two pension schemes and I've indexed them at 10%. Mm. So every year of the 26 years, so it started off as 100, then it'd be 110, and then the second year was 121, and then it was 133. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Uh, so I'm I'm very conscious of that. So I've been, I started planning for my pension uh, from the first moment Aspen Weight was wow. born. Now, if you talk to, so I met a new client this week, and this will be typical. And the person says, my business is my pension. That's what they said. Mm. Got any pensions? No. Right? So I would say the overwhelming majority of people over 18 Mm -hmm. don't have, either don't have any pension funding at all, or they have massively uh, Mm. insufficient funding. Mm. So what, what what does that actually mean? Well, it means that they're going to be a huge, and I mean huge now, millions and millions. There are going to be millions and millions of people who will have no choice but to work all through their 70s. And if, if perchance, uh, they were unable to get work, they will have no money. Mm-hmm. That is not, I think that is a fact, mm-hmm. right? So what we have, on the one hand, so what one has to say when you look at the 32 hours, on the one hand, it's it's it is. I think it's a laudable and correct aspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, technology will yeah. definitely help in us attaining that objective. However, at the same time, one has to weigh up the fact that. So, if you just said, well, I think it'd be more than this. If you said that in ten years' time, there were ten percent more people around. And of course, this is one of the things that people people you know people sit there and they go on about the Tories don't care about the NHS and all that. But the fact is, we've got I don't know how many how many something like over three million people in this country uh, who, who come in through immigration, right? Mm-hmm. All those three million people need need to be serviced by the NHS, don't they? Mm-hmm. Then, if you take my point, which is which is true that people are living longer and, and if you take actually the real you know that that, that 70 to 100 is something like 28 percent right so if, if we even said that people were 10 percent right and it's much more than that as we've proven then that means that actually uh even to stand still if you had to put 30 billion pounds into the nhs this year next year it has to be 33 million 33 mm-hmm. billion just to keep the same level per person do you see what i mean yeah and that's and that's something that people just don't think about. So, um, you know, there's, there's there's so many. I think one of the things that is is very frustrating for someone like me, because I, I I would say for all my faults, uh, I am a very good long term planner. Mm-hmm. Right, I don't think about. I do think about today. I try to make every day the best day I can. Yeah, on the one hand, but. I'm always thinking about the future. So I don't yes. make decisions which are based on tomorrow mm. or next week. Mm. I make decisions based on 10 years. Yes. Right? So some what, things that could look really good today might not have the best impact for the future sometimes. Well, you know, so what, what happens in politics, for instance, is um, let's make it an investment decision. So say um, you were building a hospital and uh, you could build a hospital out of chipboard that cost 100 units mm-hmm. or you could use uh, Sealwise which mm-hmm. is one of our, one ah, of our yeah, sister yeah. companies Sealwise right let's say Sealwise is double the cost but lasts five times longer mm-hmm. right so anybody taking a long term view that cared mm-hmm. about the public and was doing was making the best decision you would invest in Sealwise mm-hmm. right 99 politicians out of 100 wouldn't do that because they're only looking at a five-year cycle at best mm. the government's in for five years they they, they, they don't want to make a 25-year decision 
because they're making a decision to get re-elected. Do you see what I mean? So people need to go more long-term in in every aspect: politicians, business owners. Well, yeah, I think I think I never thought I, I never thought I would hear myself saying this, but I, I find myself as I like to think what I call myself intellectually honest is what, is what I like mm-hmm. to say. Right. So if you take uh, if you said to me, what is the single biggest threat to me? as an individual at this moment in time it is a Labour government beyond all doubt okay so how could it was interesting because uh, I say Callum and I got into this very interesting debate you know and Callum has very interesting views as you know and Callum was saying to me because he'd been reading reading all this stuff about Socrates that he was saying that he thought it didn't really make any difference whether it was a democracy or whether we had a, 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 a effectively a feudal king Right. He basically did us. Who did what? Mm-hmm. We, you know, he, whatever he said went sort of mm-hmm. thing. You know, uh, and I was quite interested in that point of view. And I think what he was saying is, is well, you know, to some extent, that's that's no different to suddenly having a Marxist government that abolishes aspiration, the pursuit of wealth, or whatever. And, and my point to him, which I think he, he, it was, which was well received, and I say this, this is this is sort of how I've I've started to think now, which is which is a, a very recent Paul breakthrough, is it seems to me that while I would prefer to have a government which was pro-free market economy, pro-people being able to improve themselves, mm-hmm. right? But in a socially... Just. Just mm-hmm. and caring way. That's how I would put it, right? Um, if you take my worst fear, what is realistically the best way to avoid the worst fear? Well, the best way to avoid the worst fear is is to actually stop any one party being able to totally influence policy. Mm. So, if you look at what happens in Europe, uh, all nearly all the countries in Europe are run by coalition governments. Mm. So, what does what does coalition government do? It means that the Takes the, the real extremes mm. are taken, taken away, away, aren't they? Mm. And and so, I, I think. Personally, so if I was going to criticise Theresa May, which one you know one could spend days doing that, <laughs> probably to me as a pragmatist and someone who believes in collaboration, and also actually genuinely in the national good, the 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 smart thing to have done would have been to form a cross party committee, mm. right? So instead of making it a Tory project, she should have said, right, we're going to have a ten strong yeah. thing. Right, two two liberals, two Labour, two SNP, whatever. Yeah, then everyone everyone <laughs> is part obvious. of a decision. Yeah, right. What's happened now is all the other people can set aside and go. Yeah, it's nothing to do with us. Yeah, we bugger off. You see what I mean? And and that's and that's what needs to happen in the world. Mm. Ne- there needs to be a, there needs to be a complete rethink. Mm. I think of how things get done. It's not us against you. It's us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We as Great Britain have mm. to leave the EU because uh, the people said we wanted to leave how are we all going to agree to do that mm. yeah that's it. So it seems quite straightforward because it is quite straightforward you know and and I think as long as governments not just in the UK you know so I said you know if you take Trump for instance you know Trump's very sort of up yours you know so Trump's pretty much declared war on China in a, in a trade sense mm-hmm um, uh, we are pretty close to a proper war with Iran I would suggest mm. you know that could all kick off any minute um, and it's, you know, that in itself is very f- fascinating so the, the, the prospect of a war between Saudi Arabia and Iran is immense I would say I would put it at 50-50 wow. you know uh, you probably wouldn't be a rocket scientist to work out that Israel would probably almost certainly get caught up in that because Iran obviously sees Israel as Satan, doesn't it? Mm. You know, effectively. So um, you know, we we live in parlous times, and I think if 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 we are going to survive, because of course the other thing, you know, the other thing, if you want to be, um, you know, I think balanced and and, and forward thinking about this, one possibility. See, so if you heard about the Gaia theory about Earth as a, in itself a living being, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, so what tends to happen is uh, nature. Let's call it that. Nature has this amazing habit of equalize s- things, sorting things out. Yeah. <laughs> so suddenly there'll be a flu mm-hmm. or a war, um, 
if you said at the moment with the way that people are set up in the world uh, what are the prospects of mankind as a whole even being around in a hundred years time I wouldn't mm. bet my house on it mm. you know mm. the prospect of some kind of war using increasingly sophisticated weapons mm. has to be quite extreme and of course you know the, what, 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 what stops wars on the whole is nobody wants to die if, if we take that no I'm mean, being serious now that's the thing so it doesn't actually matter if you're some balmy red Russian or some crazy Republican uh, American um, when you press that button that means you're all going up now what concerns me is if you take someone like um, uh, the North Koreans you know these are, you know, and, and, and their leaders they are so fanatical and so egocentric that it seems to me that if, for instance, they thought they were going to go anyway, you know, they were going to get they were going to get deposed or uh, North Korea was losing a war, I'm not convinced they wouldn't go right. You know, if we if we can't exist, none of you can as well. Mm. You know that mm. that would that would quite worry me. So I think you know, I think if if we are actually seriously going to move forward in an enlightened way and, and, and achieve the things that we really ought to achieve there has to be a complete and utter re-evaluation of how we do everything and that mm. includes how we're governed um, all the processes of government how countries work together mm. you know that's what I mean the, the potential is all there with, with, with technology mm. with the way that we can interact and communicate with each other it's, it's, it's all there but it needs to change the current way that it's done yeah, and, 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 and people in authority, such as governments and world governments, need need to sit down and and look at the long term issues, mm. which they don't. So, you know, if you just look at something which, which I feel very strongly about, now, if you take um, the Beeching report, which was the um, I think it was the Tory government's um, report into the whole transport system in right. the UK. So uh, probably the single worst long-term decision, in my opinion, in British history, certainly of, of its type, right? So Mr. Beeching, in his infinite wisdom, decided to close down all, pretty much all of the rural railway stations, okay? Right. So if we were looking in, in, in the 50s, so if you look at us, us two uh, Wurzel, Wurzel Gummages, right? Um, we could have caught a train... Uh, so literally at the top of Bristol Road right at, at um, what's that called uh, is that Dumball up there I was getting mm -hmm. mixed up the two different ones mm -hmm. so Dumball Wharf isn't it yep so um, there was a train station there ah ok so I could have gone from West Huntsville to Dumball Wharf and caught a train to Glastonbury wow or I caught a train to uh, where's the strawberries pick around Porter's Head around there mm. you know Gordano and all that so I could have caught a train to Chard mm. Now, if, if people in charge now, if they want to catch a train, they have to drive to Taunton. Yeah. You know? So, Beeching, what Beeching did was he closed down... Whereas, if you look at today, and you think about... You know, if you think about... Um, we've got... I don't know what it is. Progressively more and more cars on the roads. And it's now commonplace to be in a traffic jam on the motorway. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, I've completely changed the way I drive. Mm. because I don't I, I actually find it quite stressful as well now yeah so if I'm going to Wales for instance I'll get up at 6 o'clock mm. and I make sure I'd rather Beat get to where I was getting sit in my car for an hour yeah than I would traffic, worry yeah. about being stuck in a traffic jam in Newport yeah. which is what happens a lot mm. Mm. you know you get, you get into Wales you get over the bridge you get anywhere near Newport and suddenly they've got these variable speed limits and yeah. suddenly it flashes up 50 and suddenly it's like all the world's cars have appeared in the stretch of a mile, you know, it's a and, it, and it's only going to get it's only going to get worse. Mm. So you know, we need to we need we need to put a lot of thought into planning and and infrastructure. And, but you know, if you think again about the, the, the aspiration of the thirty-two hour week, uh, we will have driverless cars. Mm -hmm. That presumably will mean we'll have driverless public transport. Yeah, I'd like to think that. You know, the sort of thing you see in Blade Runner where you've got things up in the sky in, in Star Wars that, you know, we won't be on the road, we'll be hovering around um, in the air. Mm. So, um, Underground as well. That's another one. Yes. Mm. 
So, um, yeah, so I think in conclusion, I think we've probably talked enough unless you don't think so. Um, uh, I think, so 32-hour week, is it possible? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually believe it is achievable. Is it achievable over 10 years? I also would say yes to that. Um, I think if if the project was gone about in an enlightened and socially economic way, probably using what I would think things like cost benefit analysis. So what what cost benefit analysis means is you don't just look at real income, you look at things like opportunity costs mm-hmm. and the loss of income. So you make good decisions, not decisions which are actually in fact flawed mm-hmm. because you haven't thought it all through. So for instance, if I was the omnipotent deity that ran the country, I would have saved Thomas Cook. Yeah. I believe in that. Mm. I, I, I actually, although I am a free market econo- economist, I do believe, I call it, I've often heard to say, Paul's business socialism. So I think that the strong should protect the weak. Mm-hmm. And if people are in trouble, then the stronger company should bail them out. So apart from the social justice and fairness point of view, I think you know one needs to look at that and say, well, so if, if you look at Thomas Cook going down, what does that do? Well, number one, it's detrimental to the country's reputation. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. You have tremendous upset to a significant number of people. I think it's something like 150,000 or something. Yeah. Right? I, I, I was hearing stories about um, people being thrown out of their hotel rooms mm. by the hotels, you know? So the amount of distress, the amount of distress that those individuals were caused, then uh, how many people are going to lose their jobs? Yeah. So if you don't, if you just think it all through, the the cost, the overall cost in its widest sense, if you valued it, I cannot believe, right? I cannot believe that a sensible person would not come up with a decision mm-hmm. that putting X hundred million of government money into that company would be better than the alternative. Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that. Mm. I, I genuinely do. Do you think um, it would give the wrong impression to businesses, like basically? Oh, you can do what you want, and we'll bail you out. Like, well, that's in- an interesting point of view. That's the sort of thing you'd expect. Uh, so, no, I don't mean to be rude to you. I mean that's a good point. I mean mm. that's the sort of thing that perhaps a traditional Tory might say. Because mm. <coughs> obviously, you know, although I am, uh, my politics are free market economy. I, I wouldn't say that what I believe in is typical mm, mm. of somebody in my it, position it's a mix because no well, I believe in I believe in fairness and yeah I don't want people to be poor I just mm. also want people to be able to be rich yes I mean I, 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 I am a working class so I, I, I was I was born as a socio you know associate group C1 I would suggest mm. right and I've dragged myself up to be a B1 mm. right so I've proved that and, and, and it's interesting again Callum and I were talking about this let's take Ben as a good example I would suggest that Ben was also born as a C1 so I think Aspen Wake is a very good success story of a, 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 a man who was born as a working class you know blue collar type person who's become a leader in the professional field and in so doing, has kept true to his principles. Yes. So I didn't go. I refused to go to public school. Right. Mm-hmm. My dad wanted me to go to a private school. I wouldn't go. Mm. Right? I, I don't know. I, 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 I have slightly different views on it now. But I was passionate about that. I refused to go to a private school. Right. Mm. Um, I. There's a lot I don't like about privilege. Mm. To be honest, mm. you know. Uppitiness. So, so, you know, I would say that. Uh, I I have as a person been very true to my principles over my life and I have um, so so let's take Ben as a good example so you know Ben has has come from also being a C1 to being undoubtedly one of the probably two three at the most most uh, respected and senior people in the whole of Aspen Wade so you have two two working class boys sitting at the top of the tree don't you mm. so you know the fact is you know the system the system can and and should work so I think you know so I think you know moving forward as I say it just it, it just requires it requires a, a huge change and I'm not sure I'm particularly optimistic about that happening to be honest with you Drew mm. well that was a very very interesting episode Paul I've been been really enjoying listen to your thoughts 
and um, mm. I hope you have enjoyed as well, listeners. What What's the second Beatles song that you're going to pick today? Well, I thought um, I thought because as Drew was wanting an upbeat start, so that's why we started off with Paperback Writer, um, and um, I thought we'd go for a bit more of a cerebral sort of song, you know, one a bit more dreamy. So uh, we picked Norwegian Wood to play out on. Um, I was very tempted to play Michel. Because uh, I love singing Song Les Mons qui font très bien ensemble. Uh, uh, words that go together well. That's, uh, that means, by the way. Ah. These are words that go together well, Michelle, because she's French, you see. Mm. He's talking to her. Because he's, he's trying to talk to her. But um, yeah, I think um, uh, I also, when we talk about the Beatles, so I think people, on the whole, I think uh, the majority of people seem to quite like the 60s theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, on balance, uh, I was very tempted to play the Hives today. But um, oh, okay. after talking to Gary White earlier in the week, I thought, no, we'll play, we'll play some Beatles stuff. Um, I have to say, um, I've, as, as I say, if I was thinking about the Beatles, I, I absolutely love, for instance, um, a record, for instance, She Was Just 17. Mm-hmm. Great she piece of rock and roll. She was just 17. 17. Know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Really, really, I, I find that an exciting record. There's certain records when I'm dancing or I'm out, uh, and they excite me, and that is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you, you went into, I don't know, I suppose their early stuff, you know, Love Me Do and Help and Please Please Me. Mm. I'd always, I'd, I'd call it sort of uplifting, happy music mm. or something, you know? Day Tripper. You know, the happy, happy songs. Mm. And then they got, started to get a bit more cultured and involved, you know, and started smoking weed a lot, which probably mm. affected them. Um, went to India, you know, under the influence of Maharishni and Ravi Shankar and people like that. Mm. Started experimenting uh, and, beca- and becoming more international. Uh, and so, by the time they finished, you know, you're, you're, they're writing, you know, really quite almost you could argue classical pieces of music in a way. Mm. You know, the sort of thing that Mozart might have written if he was born today. Mm. So, um, I know, I know, not everyone doesn't agree with me, but I, I think that the Beatles are, are are a band that lasts last the, the test of time and um and as i say, mostly i i, I just I, I associate the beatles actually with happiness mm. you know this just the, the, as a whole thing if i think about the beatles brand mm-hmm. they make it makes me feel happy mm. Um, mm. and as everyone knows aspen weight believe in happy people and happy business <laughs> so without further ado i'll leave you to sign off drew excellent thank you very much paul so enjoy this one listeners and we will catch you next time